Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I met a lot of guests this morning, and we are so glad you're here. We, we planned for you to be here way before you knew it, because since we started New Life 16 years ago, our mission has been to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. We're in the home stretch of this series called Kingdom Come. And what we've been talking about in this series is how God established his kingdom through the coming of Jesus the first time, but ultimately how he's going to establish his kingdom on earth forever when Jesus returns. Now, if you're a first-time guest or maybe you've been not here for the last few weeks, I just want to give you a quick review because what we're going to talk about today is how do we live as people, kingdom people, while we're waiting and uh, the series started actually talking about that very topic of waiting. Pastor Brad uh, had a, a message titled Buffering. And we all know what buffering is. If you have a computer, you watch a video, you know, and you're right in the middle and good comes to the good part and boom, that little circle comes up and it says buffering. You know, you have to wait. And, and nobody likes waiting. In fact, I would say if you're under 10 years of age, this next seven days, eight days is going to be a tough time of waiting, right? Um, we have three teenagers in the house, and we have this little snowman thing that has how many days till Christmas, and Keena can't wait every day to change it to the next lower number, right? Waiting is hard, but what Pastor Brad reminded us of is this, that while we're waiting, we have three primary tasks from God. Jesus actually told us to do this after he rose from the dead and went back to heaven. He said, number one, tell people about me. Tell people about Jesus. The second thing we're supposed to do is remain focused on the mission, which is to tell people about Jesus by encouraging each other. We need help from each other because it can be scary to tell other people about Jesus. And then finally, we're supposed to trust God's patience. Waiting is hard and God is making us wait longer. I mean, when Jesus left, he said, I'm coming back soon. And that was 2,000 years ago. From our perspective, that's not soon. But from an eternal perspective, 2,000 years is like this. But God is patient and he doesn't want anybody to spend eternity separated from him in hell. So he's waiting for the world to get on board. And so we do these three things. As we wait, we tell people about Jesus. We encourage each other in that work, remain focused on it, and we trust God's patience. And as we do that, our waiting becomes eager anticipation. And then the second week of the series, I talked about how John the Baptist... Jesus, the Apostle John, and the Apostle Peter all told us that as we're waiting for the kingdom to come, we need to repent. And repentance is a simple concept. If I'm in the darkness, I'm in sin, I'm in rebellion against God, repentance means to turn around, to go back to the light, to go back to God. And so as we're waiting, because Jesus came and started to establish the kingdom, in fact, we learned in that message that everywhere God's will is done, God's kingdom comes. And so Jesus, everywhere he went, God's kingdom came. And everywhere we go in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can take the kingdom. But we're living in this time, and I, I called it, it, I didn't call it, this is a biblical scholar came up with this idea, the already, the kingdom is here, but the kingdom is not yet here. And the Jews expected when their Messiah came, their deliverer came, that he would establish an eternal kingdom then and there. But Jesus didn't do that the first time he came. Because Jesus' purpose in coming the first time wasn't just to help the Jews, but it was to bring salvation to the entire world, salvation from sin and death, and, and he came to be Lord of our lives. And, and that's been true for the past 2,000 years. And then last week, 
Pastor Mark had a very powerful message that reminded us that in the game of the kingdom of God, there aren't any bench warmers. In fact, his take-home point said it all. He said this, the, the kingdom of God is not a spectator sport. And that's because, as he reminded us, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a buried treasure that a guy found in a field, and he went back and sold everything he had so he could buy that field. And he said, if we knew that we had something that was worth more than anything, we would be glad to give up everything we have to get the more. And Jesus said, that's what the kingdom of God is. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to consider the challenge of living as kingdom people when the majority of people have never been on board with the kingdom. The majority of the people in the world don't trust Jesus as Savior, or as King, as Lord. The majority of the people in the world actually might even be a little bit antagonistic towards those who are kingdom people. So what do we do? And what we're going to do is we're going to turn to a message. Actually, it's the longest message that Jesus ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And if you know anything about the Bible, there are four books that talk about Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. And, and that's the Gospels. They're Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And what Matthew tells us is, the reason it's called the Sermon on the Mount is because Jesus climbed up a mountain and his 12 disciples followed after him. And Jesus sat down and he was going to teach these 12. But when they looked around, there was a lot more than 12. A whole bunch of people came to hear the message. And as Jesus started, he started with what we call the Beatitudes, their blessings. And he said, if you do certain things, if you are certain things, then there are blessings that come with it. And he said, if you're poor in spirit, now, that doesn't seem like something that would be blessed, but Jesus said you got to start off poor in spirit if you want a blessing. And, and you, he said if you mourn, there will be a blessing for that. Jesus told us that if we are meek, humble, that we'll be blessed. He told us if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we're going to be blessed. He said if we're merciful or if we are um, pure in heart, if we are peacemakers. And then he said if we are persecuted for righteousness, all of these things bring a blessing. And then he told us what the blessing was. If you're poor in spirit, he says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Now, we're talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is the same thing. But Matthew was a Jew. And the Jews revered God so much, they really didn't like to say his name. So every time Matthew says kingdom of, he won't ever say God. He'll say kingdom of heaven. But it's the same thing. So if we're poor in spirit, we can, we can have the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. And if we mourn, he's, Jesus says, we'll be comforted. If we are meek, we're going to inherit the earth. If we are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, we're going to be filled. If we are pure in heart, we're going to see God. That's amazing blessing, right? If we are peacemakers, we'll be called the children of God. And then he tells us, if we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, there's a great reward for us in heaven. Now, those are all wonderful things. And Jesus wanted us to be aware of them, but the final beatitude is next is like the one before it um, in that it talks about being persecuted. But this time it isn't just for doing the right thing. It's being persecuted for following the king, Jesus. And he says there's a blessing for that too. Before we get to that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much, God, that you are always with us. And we thank you that as we read your word today and hear about the hard things that can happen to us for following you, that there's a reward that's greater than any punishment or any hurt that we will experience. God, I pray right now that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit, 
that we can hear your truth and apply it in the power of your spirit. Open our hearts to receive that truth and live it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're following along in your outline, you know that I skipped the take-home point. It's really sort of important. It's integral to the whole thing because the take-home point is the one point that I'm going to make in my message today that I want us all to take home and pray about, think about, and live out in the, in the, in the week ahead. And the take-home point is Jesus calls us to release the kingdom even when it hurts. Jesus calls us to release the kingdom even when it hurts. And as I said, it could hurt because... Not everybody's on board with the kingdom in the world. Majority of people are not. So what Jesus says, here it is. This is what happens to you when you follow Jesus, when you follow the king. He said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven and remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So Jesus offers us four reactions that might occur when we follow him, when we put him first as king of kings and lord of lords in our life. He says that people might mock us, they might persecute us, they might lie about us, and they might say um, all sorts of evil things against us. The thing I love about Jesus is he always tells us the, the costs of following him as well as the benefits. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a cost-benefit analysis. It's not something that I use every day in my vocabulary, but Pastor Barry, our executive pastor, he sort of helped me to see how important that is. A cost-benefit analysis is when you take the pluses of a situation and weigh them with the minuses to decide if you want to do it. For example, maybe you're about ready to make a major purchase. And so you sit down and say, well, if we make this major purchase, this is how our life is going to be better. But then we won't have this money, and this could be happening, and it'll break down someday, and eventually we'll have to replace it. So cost, benefit, what do we want to do? Or maybe you're at work, and the boss says, I want to give you a, I want to give you a promotion. And you go, wow, I've been wanting that promotion, but then if I have that promotion, I'll have more money, but then I have to work more. And so there's cost and benefit. Maybe you're in a new relationship and it seems like it's going somewhere and, and you're saying, whoa, I think this could be the right one for me. And then you go, that's the benefit, but what if? And then there's these, there's these costs. And so what we're going to talk about today, Jesus just told us about it, is the benefits. We've already told us all of these blessings from being kingdom people. But here's the cost. People might mock you. People might lie about you. People might persecute you. People might say evil stuff that isn't even true about you. So do you want to be part of that? Because if you do, you know, no going into it. I'm not telling you it's all going to be a bed of daisies. It's not going to all be good and easy. It might be hard. As I've said so many times, the Christian life is simple, but it isn't easy. It isn't always easy. So here's something that Jesus helps us to understand. When you think about all those bad things, he says, be happy about it. That's sort of interesting. Be very glad about it, he says, because why? Because a great reward awaits you in heaven. And they, they persecuted the prophets before you just the same way. So what Jesus is saying, you're going to live a life that's like this long in, in the comparison of eternity. And in this life that lasts this long, you might be persecuted. You might have some hard times. And yeah, you might even die. Because throughout history, persecution can mean death. But for this long, you get to live with me. And the thing that, that, that I find interesting, in fact, I think this is one of our biggest challenges, and that is we have invested so much of ourselves in this life, this little piece of life, you know, that we seldom consider the eternal value and rewards of the next one. 
not only are we so focused on this little piece of life, I mean, we put time and talents and treasure and touch, everything into this little slice of life, and and we don't often consider this big, big piece of eternity. We're going to live in heaven or hell for a really, really, really long time, but only this long here on earth. So why is it that we don't think more about this life, the long eternity life, than this one? In fact, I have a question. We've been talking about the kingdom of God for four weeks now. In the last week, how much time have you been investing in thinking about the next life, the eternal life, as opposed to this life? I bet you some of you never even gave it a thought because that's what the world does to you. You know, It gets you focused on this little slice and you forget about the big slice. And I'm not saying we should be going home today and sit down, you know, in our prayer room and pray until Jesus comes back. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we shouldn't be engaged in the world. What I'm saying, though, is that what Jesus said is there's something far, far bigger and better to come than what we're experiencing here and now. So when it gets tough, remember that. Now, the next thing that that I want us to remember is that if we have the power of the Holy Spirit, which we only get when Jesus becomes Lord and Savior in our lives. We can live the kingdom of God here and now. We're supposed to. And ultimately, we're going to have this reward in heaven. So then why? Why do we worry about stuff here? Why do we invest so much time, actually spend so much time, on the things that don't matter for eternity? It's a week from Christmas. A week from the time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, little baby in a manger, we all love the story. It's amazing, incredible, because God shows us how much he loves us, that he became one of us. But Jesus didn't come to be a baby. He came to grow up to show us the kingdom of God. He came, us, he came to grow up to show us what the kingdom of God is like, because everywhere Jesus went, you know, he healed sick people, he cast demons out of people. Everywhere there was darkness, he brought light. Everywhere there was hurt, he brought healing. That's what the kingdom of God does, and that's what Jesus came to do. And then he died. And he didn't just die like of old age. In fact, he wasn't even old. He was young. He died on a cross to pay the penalty that God required. And when he paid that penalty, he made it possible for all of us to live kingdom lives because he rose from the dead, went back to heaven, and he sent his Holy Spirit into everybody who trusts him, who's born again, according to use his terminology, And we get to live this new life here and now on earth. And now what Jesus tells us is, yeah, and it could be tough now. But don't even worry about that because it's going to be so amazing later. Now, Jesus goes on. He switches directions after all these beatitudes. He switches directions and he tells us what it's going to be like for us to live as kingdom people in a world that's not a kingdom world. And he uses two images. In fact, they're so common The images he used are unforgettable because they are so common. Salt and light. Look what Jesus said. This is how we're going to live, he says. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way... Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So salt and light, two common everyday images that Jesus says, not only that's what we are, but it's what we do as his followers in the kingdom time, waiting for the ultimate return of Jesus. Now, I know I have to give a disclaimer about salt in this day and age because salt's bad for you, gives you high blood pressure, all these things. But the truth of the matter is, if we don't have salt, we die. Salt is a very important part of of our makeup as human beings. 
And in Jesus' day, salt was used to heal people. It was used to preserve food. It was used the same thing we use it for, which is for, you know, make food taste better. And it was even used as money in certain places. And what Jesus says is, you know, salt can lose its flavor, but that's not the nature of salt. What the nature of salt is, is to add healing and zest and everything good to life, right? So that's what we're supposed to be. And I think it's a big challenge for us uh, who live in 2017 in America to have excitement or enthusiasm because we've been special affected to death. I'll be honest, I went to see the new Star Wars movie on Friday morning at 11 o'clock, all right? And, And I was looking for those special effects that would like, you know, move me. And there were two. Um, okay, so because I've, been, I've seen so many special effects, you know, been or done that, can't show me something new, right? But here's the thing. We live in a place now, Nancy and I, the girls, live in a house where every morning there's a sunrise. If there is, I mean, if the sun, we can see it, and there's a sunset. Where we used to live in Middlesex Township, we were like trees here, trees there. We never could see a sunrise or a sunset. And throughout this fall and winter, there have been some amazing ones. And I think God was just showing off because he knew I was preaching about this today. Last night, the sunset, the ball, the, the big orange ball. I don't know, did anybody see it? Uh, okay, well, it was awesome. All right, so then, so then this morning, I get up and there's this beautiful, and I know some of you never saw a sunrise. It happens like between six and seven this time of year. Anyway, um, but there's this beautiful red light, you know, coming through and purple and all that. And all through the fall, I've said, if anybody was up, Nancy usually is, the girls occasionally, well, they're up for, you know, sundown. So anyway, we say, look, and that adds zest. And the thing you need to know, many of you know this about me, I'm not a nature person. I mean, I see an oak tree that has a tall, long trunk like that. I go, whoa, how many board feet of oak is that? You know, but God does awesome things, incredible things. And we can share that with each other. And then when we see that, we go, thank you, Jesus. That's just a tiny little thing of what it means to add zest. And we all need zest in our life. We all need healing. We all need, you know, we all need preserving in our lives. But Jesus didn't just stop with that illustration of salt. He used another common image the image of light. And he said, you are the light of the world. Now, if you know your gospels, you know that that's an incredibly powerful statement because Jesus said this about himself in the gospel of John. I am the light of the world. But here in Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world. Next weekend is Christmas Eve, you know, weekend. On the Saturday, the 23rd, we're going to have Christmas Eve services on the 23rd at 5.30 and 7, and then at 8.30 and 10 in the morning on Sunday, the 24th, and then at 5.30 and 7 in the evening. And all those services are going to have candlelight. It's one of my favorite parts of uh, the Christmas Eve services. And and the reason it is is because we'll turn off all the lights, and it'll be dark in here because there aren't any windows. Did anybody ever notice there's no windows in this building? Okay, so anyway, there will be dark and then I'll light a candle, and there'll be just a tiny bit of light, and then we'll have some people up front, and they'll, I'll light their candle, well, they'll light their candle off mine, and then they'll take it out through here, and what's gonna happen, and this is gonna be new, because we never had Christmas Eve service with a balcony, so there's gonna be light down here and light up there, and it happens the same way every time the light just goes, and now it's going, and then people look at each other, and the same thing happens every year. They smile. People smile, because they can see each other, and, and it's sort of like natural when there's light, after darkness, to smile. And Jesus, it's so cool what Jesus said. When we're salt and light, Jesus said this, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So our good deeds are the light that people need to see Jesus and to glorify God. How powerful is that? 
we get to live lives that give glory to God and that let people see Jesus through us. And that's what Jesus said, because when they see our good deeds, they know it's not from us. Now, you say, well, wait a minute, Chris. I know some atheists who do good deeds. Yes, I know atheists who are better than some Christians I know. However, they're not doing good deeds. And I can prove it, because atheists don't believe in God. They don't believe there is good or evil. So they're just doing deeds. And that we would call them good because of our perspective. We know the light, Jesus Christ, and so we know what darkness is. And so we see the difference because good, you know, I should say evil is just the absence of good, just like darkness is the absence of light. But only people who really understand the light can understand goodness and evil. And so we do the good deeds, Jesus says, and people look at us and they give glory to God. And, and really, if, apart from that, all we are is prideful. When we do something good, it just brings pride to us. But when the Holy Spirit is in our lives, we're told that we produce fruit, and it's good fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just yesterday morning, I had to go to the bank, and I had to get some passports out of my safe deposit box. And uh, so this lady was new at the bank, college kid, I would guess, and she took me back there, and, and she said, I don't exactly know what I'm supposed to do here. I said, well, that book right there, I need to sign it, register. And she said, okay. And she picked up the second book away from the book that I told her to pick up. And she opened up. She said, I don't see. I said, it's the other book. And she said, okay. And I opened up there. And I said, right here, see my name. I looked it up. See, I signed right here. So we did that. And then she got out her key ring off of her little wrist thing. And I saw that all five keys were the wrong key. And I said, you know, the, you don't have the right key. And so she tried all five of the keys. Of course, none of them work because it's the wrong key. I said, you have to have a key that looks like my key. And so she went over to the other lady and she said, you know, these keys don't work. And she goes, well, you got to get the one that's hanging in there that looks like his key. So anyway, um, she comes back in and I, and I said, it's that key right there. She gets it. We got the stuff out. And then, you know, at the end of all of this, which should, should have taken like four minutes, it took about 25 minutes. And, and she said to me, thank you so much for your patience. Now, Lisa has known me for a really long time, and she knows that patience is not in my vocabulary, <laughs> let alone in my life, apart from the Holy Spirit. You see, I actually was patient. I, didn't, I mean, I wasn't really in a big hurry. It was after closing time at the bank by the time we were done. But that was, I mean, she's the one that was in a hurry to go home. I wasn't. Because of the goodness of God in me, not because of me. And so that's what we get to do. In fact, this is a very important statement. We get to, we don't have to. But we get to live lives that bring us joy and others hope. It happens when we're salty lamps. That's the title of the message, and I sort of skipped over that. But, you know, salt and light. So think of a salty lamp, okay? It's a dumb image. But if you, you probably won't forget it. Salty lamp. If we're salty lamps, the world is better off because we add flavor and zest and life and, and, and just good stuff to people. Now, this Monday, I received a text message from Emmy. And uh, she told me about a song by, a, she said it's country alternative by a guy named Walker Hayes, and it's called Craig. And, and she said, you know, it's country alternative, but the lyrics, and then she just didn't go. And so I, I looked it up. I YouTubed it, you know, I listened to it. And after it, I, I texted her back and I said, I hope you think of me as a man like Craig. And she said, in, I do indeed. And so then I cried for 20 minutes, and you're going to see in a minute why, because I'm going to play the song for you. But we had a little text link, you know, throughout the week. And on Thursday, she said to me, are you going to talk about Craig in your message this week? And I went, uh-uh, I'm not going to talk about Craig in my message this week. And then I realized I'm talking about the light of the world, and you'll see why it makes sense that I would play Craig today when you hear the, the, the chorus. Okay, so let's just listen to the song called uh, Craig. 
I met Craig at a church called Redeeming Grace. It's like he understood my I don't want to be here face. I felt out of place and I smelled like beer, but he just shook my hand, said, I'm glad you're here. He says, we'll all be judged, but he was never judgmental. And even though my songs don't belong in no hymnal, he quote me my lyrics, slapped me on the back. Said, man, you got a gift, how you write like that? Yeah, I know, he sounds cool, right? Not your typical kid from Sunday school, right? I still ain't figured out church yet. But Craig, I get, now he can't walk on water, a turning nap of I needed help, but couldn't admit I was struggling. I said, Craig, it's all good, but he knew it all wasn't. A, hey, man, I'm praying for you would have been sufficient, but nah. He took roadside assistance to a whole nother level. To sacrificial heights, showed up at the ballpark after my son's game. One night in two cars with his wife, Laura, watching from the other. I said, what in the world are y'all doing here, brother? He just laughed beside that old Chrysler town and country van with the keys and the title and a pen and sand. said, man, all you got to do is sign in this yours. I said, no, no way. But he wouldn't take no for an answer. He said, please do. Somebody did this for me once. Just let me do this for you. We argued about it for a little while. And I teared up. And Craig smiled. Yeah, I know. He sounds cool, right? Not your typical kid from Sunday school, right? He can't walk on water. Or turn a nap of valley red. But he just might. Yeah, it's pretty cool, huh? So that song actually happened. Walker Hayes was in that situation, and Craig actually gave him a minivan. Um, and so he wrote a song about Craig to say thank you. And it turned out that Craig was going through a really hard time, and uh, Walker Hayes didn't know that. And so when he received the song, you know, before it was out anywhere else, uh, just the copy of it and listened to it, uh, his wife had to text uh, Walker Hayes back because Craig was so overwhelmed. You know, that it didn't seem like that great of a thing to him, but as you see, it makes all the difference. And those, you know, the chorus, he can't walk on water or turn a Napa Valley red, but he might just be tight with the man that did. And then he says, you know, he's not the light of the world, but I wish mine was bright as his. He might just be tight with the man that is. 
And so here we're talking about being light and salt. And that's what Craig is. It just isn't what he was. It's what he is. It's what he does because of following Jesus. In fact, we were sort of joking in the worship team that we might, you know, invent a new verb. We might say, I got Craig'd or I Craig'd somebody, you know, which would be to be the light of the world to somebody uh, that, uh, you know, needed it or needs it. So anyway, that's a wonderful song. It's a wonderful reality. And it's the way all of us are supposed to be as followers of Jesus. And the thing is, I just said, as followers of Jesus, you cannot be a Craig unless Jesus is in your life. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To live a kingdom life, you have to follow the king. So if you're here this morning or you're listening online and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, which means save you from sin and death, or Lord, which means owner of your life from now for king, right? That's what Lord means then this would be a great time to do that. In fact, I put together a little prayer. You'll see it on the screen. It says, Jesus, I admit I have not followed you. I repent, which means what? To turn around, right? I repent and turn back to you. I trust Jesus, Savior, save me from sin and death, Lord, owner, king in my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may be salt and light from this day forward. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So if you want to do that after reading it, listening to it, understanding it a little bit better maybe than you ever have, then I'm going to pray it out loud. You can pray it out loud or quiet because God can hear either way. Jesus, I admit I have not followed you. I repent and turn back to you. I trust you as Savior and Lord in my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may be salt and light from this day forward. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So this prayer, offered sincerely, brings you into a whole new reality. You get to live a difficult life, a kingdom life here and now, that promises a life that will be wonderful and amazing forever in eternity. And yeah, you'll fall down. I fall down. We all do. Craig fell down, and, and he needed to be encouraged. And when we fall down, we just do the same thing that we have to do the first time, and that is when you get back and find yourself over here in the darkness again, you repent again. And you come back. You only have to trust Jesus one time as Savior and Lord. But repentance, man, that's something that we all got to do on a regular basis. So, if you just did that, welcome to the family. If you did that a long time ago, well then, I'm glad you're in the family. And we have a lot of work to do. And so here's the commitment today. It's pretty similar to all the commitments in our entire series. Because all month long, the staff has been praying for one specific thing, that this coming Christmas Eve, that we will see more people come to know Jesus during those Christmas Eve services than ever in the history of new life at any given service. Uh, could I get an amen for that? Amen. Okay, well then, that means you're going to do the commitment that I just am going to tell you. And it's simply this. I will ask someone to join me on Christmas Eve this week. I will ask Jesus, someone to come with me to Christmas Eve service this week. Now, here's the thing. Some lady came out last night after the service, and she said to me, I know who I'm going to ask, but I think they're going to say no. And I said, that's okay. Because what they say, whether yes or no, isn't your problem. Your problem is to ask them. If they say yes, praise God. If they say no, then let them stay home. Please don't bring somebody like with duct tape around their wrist next week. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you to force people to come. But I do want you to ask. And let God do the rest. That's, how, that's all we can ever do. We ask and God does the rest. So that's how, you know, I'm standing up here today. 
And that's how probably most of you are sitting there or watching online who know Jesus, Savior, and Lord. Somebody asked. Somebody invited. Somebody welcomed. Somebody did an act of love for you. And it could be a little thing or a big thing. It could be just being patient with the lady in the bank that doesn't know what she's doing or giving somebody a car. Anything in between. Light and salt. Salty lamps are what the world needs because this is a tasteless place out there these days. And it's not always very bright. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for the example of Jesus who shows us what it really means to be light and salt. And we pray today that you will open our hearts to receive more and more and more of your Holy Spirit, that we will have courage and boldness to speak the truth in love to our friends and our neighbors and our classmates at school and our coworkers and anyone that will listen. God, we ask that you would use us to bring glory to you. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen.